0: Sermon number 672, Seeds for Strength, preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on Sunday, January 20, 1974. Text is taken from Isaiah, the 30th chapter, the 15th verse. In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Turn, please, to the Old Testament and the Bibles, which you have in the pews, the 30th chapter. We begin to read at the 15th verse. But thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. And you would not, but you said, No, we will speed upon horses, therefore you shall speed away. And we will ride upon swift steeds, therefore your pursuers shall be swift. A thousand shall flee at the threat of one, but at the threat of five You shall flee till you are left like a flagstaff on the top of a mountain, like a signal on a hill. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. Therefore, He exalts Himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord Is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. More and more people are beginning to realize. that probably all of us will spend the rest of our lives living in times of tumult, trouble, anxiety, and strife. Perhaps it's not a very comforting thought, but nevertheless it is rather realistic, isn't it? Now, this does not mean that we give up praying and working for peace on earth and goodwill toward all mankind, nor does it mean that we give up in our ideas of and ideals of life, liberty, justice, and the pursuit of happiness for all of God's people. But it does mean that we do more than just pray and pine for better days. It makes us realize that the assignment at hand is to prepare ourselves with Inner strength that enables us to live well, wisely, constructively, and helpfully in what else, in true blood, calls the midst of continuous strain. In the midst of continuous strain. That's the kind of day we live in, and if you're going to live wisely and well, you must have some inner strength, some some poise, if, if you're going to be able to live as God would have us to live in this kind of time. And one of the things that the Bible offers us is the wisdom as to how we can find such strength. You see, sometimes in our great reverence and respect for the Holy Word, we tend to forget that it was inspired by God through people who lived in times very much like the strain which we are experiencing at the present time in America and throughout the world. They knew the same threats, fears, troubles, strains that we're experiencing today. Take Isaiah. There's someone who lived probably 2,500 years ago, a few hundred years one way or the other. And look what he's saying here in this 30th chapter, a part of which was read in you're hearing just a few minutes ago. He says that there's trouble in the world where? In that part of the world which today we call the Middle East. As a matter of fact, the trouble that they knew then was between the same two nations that Dr. Kissinger has been spending so much time with in the last two weeks. Egypt and Israel. Look at another problem they were having. The people in the land distrusted the leadership. (laughs) They had a Watergate, you see, 2,500 years ago, it seems. There was a credibility gap between leaders and followers. Look at something else. A people who had been living in the prosperity of the land flowing with milk and honey. Suddenly, in these days prior to the captivity, lost their resources, and now those people were trying to learn to live without some of the things that they had known before. Not only that, but some people were so frightened with the prospects of a very dim future that they stampeded with panic like wild horses things haven't changed much have they in 2500 years the problems are the same and god who is the same yesterday today and tomorrow spoke through isaiah the words which were intended to be the seeds for your strength and mine for people who were living in the midst of continuous strain no matter what generation in which they lived. The words may be different. The ideas through the Old Testament, the New Testament, yesterday and today are the same. The words which are to serve as seeds for inner strength. The first word? Rest. Rest. That's the word all of us like to hear, isn't it? So much so that I think some of them, for rest, couldn't make church this morning. But rest, you see, this is a source of strength. Many of us know that if we don't get our rest, our bodies are going to become sick, and we're going to be tired, and we're going to ache and pain. Consequently, we try to get our, our proper hours of sleep each night because we know that rest is necessary for the body. We know that a wise person saves his money, accumulates his vacation time, and either in summer or winter, whenever he can, he, he goes away on a vacation to recreate his body. He seeks for the sun in the Caribbean, or for the surf off of Florida, or the snow-covered mountains of Vermont, or, or the sands of Arizona, or gets on some sailing vessel on a lake. But he does all of this to rest his body, because he knows if his body does not have rest, he has no strength. But you see when we rest our bodies and i know a lot of people that do a pretty good job at it the job is never complete when we only rest the body you see we are complicated individuals we are as the medical and psychiatry people call us we are individuals individuals who are psychosomatic, which is a big word that means we are not only flesh, but we are spirit. We are a combination. And it makes no matter how much time you spend between the sheets or on the skis or by the shores or playing in the sand or sailing the seas, if you don't give your spirit rest, all the rest for the body is a really little value you're not really a rested soul until not only your body but your spirit your spirit finds rest well where where pray tell do you take your spirit to give it a rest or a vacation the Bible gives us distinctive direction it says you'll be Turn unto God. That's the only place where your spirit can find rest. Jesus, I think, gives us the best direction when he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. But I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. See what that I means? You come under Jesus. You take the Bible, you see, and you sit down and you take the Gospels and you read and you memorize and you reread and you recite passages which bring rest to the soul. You learn from me, from Jesus. It means sometimes you get your eyes off of yourself and you go out and you look unto the hills and you realize that your help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. It means you get down on your knees, not to sleep, but to pray surrender under the Lord all of your thoughts. You give him your burdens, and he will support you. It means you take time out for spiritual exercises, the disciplines of, of prayer, of Bible reading, of sacrament, of attending worship. You allow God to feed your soul, and you realize that the Lord is the strength of your life. One of the things we desperately need in America and in the world, people who are at rest, not only physically, but people whose spirits have found their rest in the Lord. That's one word, because Rest is necessary if you're going to have any strength to live in the midst of continuous strain. The other word which God gives to Isaiah and many other of his spokesmen, quietness. Quietness. It's a word we don't hear of too much now. For those who claim they are in the know, they say that the era of which you and I are a part will be recorded in history as being known as the noisy generation. Who's responsible, if they are correct, for this label which will be put upon you and me and the era in which we live? Nor we can blame, I'm sure, the scientists, the educators and the inventors and the discoverers for the for the great mighty machines and and various things that they have been able to produce during this great time of the industrial capitalistic revolution. I'm sure some will try to blame some of the young people because of their electronic vibrating, amplified music, which seems to be played only at one volume, loud. But I think if we're really going to be honest with ourselves, we must say that if that label is accurate, many of us are responsible for it because of the mistaken belief some of us have that to have strong emotions and strong convictions, we have to express these in loud and noisy ways with wild gestures. Have you listened closely to two people who are in conversation, especially two people who are at the opposite extremes of the polarities which we seem to have in our society (coughs) boy it's noisy Have you heard yourself on tape recently we are a noisy people and so many of us claim it is necessary so we mistakenly think to get upon our cross to get across our point to, to, to express our emotion in our convictions. And believe me, preachers are not exempt from this particular accusation. I'm reminded of the story of the minister who, when he went into the pulpit, took with him a full manuscript, as some preachers do, and on the margin he would write a direction for the particular gesture which he had practiced to go in illustrating a particular point. When they lost the piece of his manuscript, it was found by someone who saw this strange comment in the margin of the pastor's written manuscript. Argument weak here, wave hands and yell like the devil. Yeah, it's kind of hard on some of us. <laughs> But that points up, you see, that all of us perhaps are guilty of the noisiness that is in the world. And and with that illustration, isn't it quite interesting to detect something which is true in our colloquial expressions of our days? You realize that whenever we think of noise and loudness and and ugliness, we, we never associate the name of the deity but rather we always identify such gestures and loud sounds with the names of those particular individuals who presumably reside in Hades. I understand that this is very graphically detailed and shown. Not only in that book, but also that movie, which seems to have great popularity in the Pittsburgh district at the present time. You know the one I mean, that one which I think needs a first-class biblical and theological overhaul to get it into the world of reality and out of the world of superstition to get back to the point, you see, we never think of God as being noisy. If you had to picture him, you'd probably picture him with the voice of a, of a Richard Burton or a, or a Charles Laughlin or someone whose voice was strong but quiet. Now, well, where do you get the picture in Scripture whether you're thinking of God the Father or Jesus the Son of An individual who violently, loudly, noisily presented his teachings. In fact, in the gospel, you'll notice many times Jesus made the people to sit down and to be still before he quietly spoke or quietly acted. President Nixon had a wonderful idea when his last inaugural. He said that he would hope but in the years to come, the American people would lower their voices and learn how to speak quietly to one another. It's the soft answer that turneth away wrath, saith the Bible. And you know, when you think about that, who are the people that have made the greatest impression upon you in life? To me, the ones that have made their imprint upon my mind and heart and character have not been the loud mouse, but the ones who spoke quietly. The people who were light-hearted, but not light-headed. The people who were serious, but not sad. people who, in some way, would answer my ugly, angry, hostile attitudes with a voice that was small, still, and quiet. We need to lower our voices It's not an easy thing to do without God's help. I don't think any of us can do it. In quietness, though, we have strength, but I don't think we can be quiet unless our bodies and our spirits are at rest. So you see, rest, though it is also a seed of strength, I think it is necessary for quietness And in my particular interpretation, you can't have really quietness unless you have that third word that God gave to Isaiah, and he gives to us as being another of the seeds for strength. The King James translates it confidence. The Revised Standard, which we read, translates it trust. Call it trust, call it confidence, whatever it is, that's the thing. And you know, again, God's right. You've got to have confidence if you're going to have strength. Confidence in God, in other people, and in oneself. And you know, one of the things that really has me seriously sickened in spirit is that lack of confidence that we seem to have today in each other. And I think myself it's only a time until we begin to see more of us lacking confidence in ourselves. Do you realize that practically every great institution and thing that has been formed by our forefathers today is losing confidence in the sight of people? I don't care what it is. The United Nations, the government of the United States, or the government on any level, does not have the confidence of its people, school boards, churches, homes. Today, this negativism, this, this cynicalism, this disgust that we have for one another—it's doing horrible things to us. The thing that I see it doing so much is that it's beginning to make some people who have good common sense, who have been blessed with a great tradition and heritage, who know the Bible and the Word of God and are part of the Church, they're beginning to question themselves. When you begin to question the other man, it's only a matter of time until you begin to question yourself. I really think that the reason that Gordon Sinclair could write and record an editorial which in America today is selling 300,000 copies a day is simply because that Canadian has been able to put into us something that we cannot put into ourselves, confidence. And we've seen from him, an outsider, The ability to get a little confidence in ourselves. Oh, I'm tired of hearing an excuse why we don't trust one another, why we're beginning to distrust ourselves. I know people can recite chapter and verse and can tell you why at some particular point in history they trusted somebody or something, and that person or that thing misused their trust. Well, that's too bad. Because I personally feel the problem is not that someone has misused our trust as much as our mispleasing our trust. The Bible says, you do not trust man before you trust God. Our problem has been and is now and will continue until we realize that we must first trust God and his infinite wisdom. You see, you can't trust your fellow man as you would want until you first trust God who trusts your fellow man and you can't trust yourself until you trust God who loves you. God created this world. He's far more worried about it than any of us. He gave his only begotten Son for this world. God forgave those people who we claim have mistrusted us or distrusted. God loves you and me. And though at times we don't trust him, he never stops trusting us. And that is what gives us strength when we realize who we are, people who can have confidence in God, in each other, and in ourselves because of God's trust for us. And when you have that conviction, you have strength. You have a spring in your step, you have quietness in your spirit, you have trust in your soul. And then you stand on firm ground knowing that you can afford to wait, because the future belongs not to man, but to God. And those who wait upon the Lord, you know, they are the ones who renew their strength. They mount up with wings like eagles, they run and not grow weary. They are the ones who walk in the midst of strain and do not fall. Now abideth these three things rest quietness and confidence these are have been and always shall be the seeds of strength amen eternal god our heavenly father you have made us for yourselves we realize that we do not rest until we rest in thee father help us in the life of this world this nation this church this community this people to realize that in you we have life now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore.